Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. My guest this week is Andy O. He was the lead singer of a British band called Blue Zoo, who, if you're listening in America, you probably don't know these guys, but in 1983, they released an album called Two by Two, and it had a few singles on it, the most successful of which was called Cry Boy Cry, which reached number 13 in the UK charts. That allowed them to perform on top of the pops and... They had a brief moment there where they were uh, getting big, but then the band quickly dissolved. And uh, Andy kind of looked around for the next few years, uh, kind of jumping in different genres, trying to kind of find himself and find another band that he could devote his time to, and nothing really took off. In our conversation, you're going to find out some of his conflicted feelings about uh, the music and the fashion and the times that ultimately make up his legacy. and then what he's done since he turned away from music. It's one of the most drastic 180s I've ever heard of. Now look, you may not know these guys, um, but if you're somebody like me who appreciates 80s music, those of us who grew up in it, I think we have an ear for it, we love it, check out Blue Zoo. If nothing else, check out Cry Boy Cry. It deserves to be one of the anthems of all time. And he called me from his home outside of London. Well, Andy from Blue Zoo, thank you for uh, agreeing to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Pleasure. Good. I, uh, so let me give you a little bit of background about how I discovered uh, Blue Zoo. Uh, okay. Basically, I guess that like most people, not most people, but people of my generation, um, I'm just kind of a sucker for any and all 80s music. And uh, the more obscure, the better. And a few years ago, and I wish I could remember the exact source, I stumbled upon uh, Cry Boy Cry, which okay. to me, I think is one of the greatest dance songs ever written. In fact, I think I've never, I was never there, obviously, but I would imagine whenever I hear it, I think this is what Studio 54 must have felt like, you know? Yeah. I mean, granted, that was the disco era, but Cry Boy Cry just, it embodies such like sweaty bodies in a tight, sexy <laughs> environment, you know, really, that's, that's not even what the song's about, but that's what it feels like to me. So I've had a Gives fascination. You that feeling, yeah. yeah, right? So yeah. I've had a fascination with Blue Zoo ever since. And uh, I find it really interesting that to most people out there, all we really know is one album. And so I wanted to kind of talk to you mm-hmm. a little bit about what the history of Blue Zoo might be and how you've, uh, what you've done over the last 35 years or so. Right, okay, yeah. So now you guys were kind of lumped in with the new romantic movement back in the early 80s. Did we you were, start out, like, were you a Blitz kid? Were you hobnobbing with Mitch Ure and Boy George and those people? Although some of them were around, yeah. The clubs the clubs that we were visiting um, in London, um, they would they would be at the same sort of clubs. Now and again, I would, I, I'd see them around. Um, but um, I wouldn't really... No, I wasn't really a Blitz kid because um, I... Oh. I um I came up from uh, a a a place called Essex. Um okay. I don't know if you know it. Um but it's a small mm-hmm. town, a little market town in Essex. And I had a little band down there um which was called The Rave. Shooting a bound. No one Just a mess brought to you on a train. Look at all around. 
And okay. it was it was a power pop, what we called power pop. Um, really? Yeah, it was called. We we had this little term um, called power pop, and it was quite punky, but but with a pop sort of poppy sure. edge to it. Um, if you think of uh, bands like the Vibrators um, and yeah. um, uh, what's that lot that did the Turning Japanese, Turning Japanese. Uh, that's it, the vapors. Yeah, that yeah. kind of. We were a little bit, a little bit more punky than that, but they called it power pop. But um, wow, interesting. So, yeah, so that's where, that's where it started. But for me, it all began with, um, it all began with David Bowie. I mean, that that yeah. all came, that all came, came through what I was doing anyway. But that's where, that's where I cut my voice. I cut my voice on, um, on the Ziggy Stardust album. In my bed, in my bedroom, sure. and um, and then obviously punk came along, and um, and the and it just the doors just were wide open. So I just right. got together with some guys down in that town, and and we formed the rave, and and we won this competition, and we got reviews in Sounds Music Paper and things. Wow. So it kind of I started to sort of draw attention um, to. You know, I got um, and people wanted wanted to pull me out of the band. Right. So, you know, it was like it was. This was the moment when I either jumped or I or I stayed in the boat. Now, um, had being a musician been your your dream, your goal up to that point, or were you um, kind of young and figuring it out? I was young and figuring it out. I mean, okay. really, really, what I wanted to be was David Bowie. You know, I yeah, I wanted yeah. to be David Bowie, and and so. This was my chance. It was like a stay in the boat or jump, mm-hmm. um, and I jumped. You know, I mean, I got. I had various offers to from various companies, but it was um, Jazz Summers, who who's now a big manager in the business. He's huge. Sure. Um, he he was at the time managing this band called the Crooks, which were like a mod band, and right. um, they were at the same competition. We did this sort of little competition thing. Um, that we won they were at the same competition and they saw me and the band performing um, and they contacted me and said look why don't you you know why don't you come and and have a chat with us Um, Uh I think we think you'd be a great fit in this in this band you know so so I had a meet with I had a meet with them um, um, made a few demands unreasonable demands (laughs) Uh Um, which which uh, which which they kind of they kind of worked out, but I joined this band, um, and it was it that was the basis of Blue Zoo. So that was at the time it was Tim Parry, uh, the guitarist, and the, and the drummer Mickey Sparrow, um, and then later modern jazz, right? And that was modern jazz. Yeah, that was that was yeah. modern jazz. And then Mike Ansell joined a bit later, and okay. uh, we had David Wolfson in there in there as well at that point. So that was that this, was the beginning. Yeah. Is this around uh, 1980, 1981? Yeah. Okay. 1980, okay. yeah. Okay. 1980. Um, There's no, so, I mean that that that's that was comp- what I did with the rave um, was was very different to what what I did sure. was doing with um, modern jazz, and that was influenced. There was a lot of in- different influences coming in there from 
from the keyboard player Dave Dave Wolfson yeah. okay. and and Tim Parry on guitar. So there was and myself uh, the the three sort of amalgamated and 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 created okay. that sound. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to ask. Is when you when you pick a sound when your band you know sort of goes in a particular direction. Is that calculated, or is that sort of like you said, an amalgamation of the influences of the other people within the band? I think that's what it was. Okay. I think that's okay. what it was. Um, okay. But unfortunately, um, to the guy, there was Tim Tim Parry and Dave Wilson. They 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 were at loggerheads over what you know what we wanted to do. So Dave Dave ended up leaving the band, um, <clears throat> and so Tim 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 basically became the principal songwriter with me um okay. and we got another keyboard player um but that's very interesting because um we we are we are going to play um we've got a gig at the end of this well the middle of next month we're actually going to be playing two of dave's songs um so we've kind of oh, come wow. we've kind of gone full circle we've kind of yeah. gone back around to those because what what happened in the end is i think i think we chose the wrong I think so. I think we went. Oh, I, really? I think I do. I think we went down the wrong route. But that's the route. That's the route. Tim. Tim was really um, interested in going down. Um, and obviously, I was. I was. I was going along with it because we were writing songs together, and it was they were sure. fine. But um, so when you say going down the wrong route, oh, sorry, I didn't yeah. Know yeah. But when you were saying you're going down the wrong route, you mean ultimately the sound of Blue Zoo was. Uh, was a poor choice that you would kind of ultimately I think so differently really ultimately huh. I think I think it was ultimately and what makes you feel that way um, because I think um, I think cry by cry um, as good as a single as it was 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 the kind of beginning of a direction that I don't think we should have gone in huh. um, I, I think we should have stayed to the left of that um, which I, I felt was where we were best suited, where I felt more comfortable. Um, I, li- I always liked being on a bit edgier than than, yeah, okay. than we ended up than we ended okay. up being, you know. Um, yeah. So a little but, too. I mean, so many of those '80s bands, and I say I say this with love in my heart. I mean, I I believe that if you grew up in that time, your ear is just naturally attuned to things like synthesizers and drum yeah. drum machines, and and so it's not. Some people have real issues with the sounds of the eighties. That that but that music is all very inviting to me. I, I love it. It's endearing. Sure. But sure. I can see where some people, especially artists at the time, maybe maybe have felt hemmed in by it or limited by what's available to them. Like if they're gonna play real instruments, then that's then their fans or their the people who are looking for them to do and sound a certain way might be put off. Is that yeah. kind of yeah. where you're yeah. coming from? Okay. Yeah. I think because the early blue zoo um, and modern jazz had a real edge to it, and and you know coming from I suppose coming from the punky stuff and coming from Bowie, um, I loved that you know, um, yeah. and and a real energy and um, and fire to it. But then, but then we kind of found ourselves in this in in this area with around that whole cry by cry. The thing, sure. Cry by Cry was great, and it was like the, it was like the the floodgates. It's kind of a, that was the door opened again there. Right, right. But I think we, I I think we just 
we just turned the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Personally. I wonder too. Um, you know, I've been going back and watching the videos and the top of the pops clips and stuff like that. I wonder how much. And again, you're you were like born to be a frontman, and uh, I wonder if do you feel like stylistically, not just the music but the style, the way that maybe Bluezoo was presented. Was that ever an issue for you, or were you comfortable with the the kind of uh, everybody in the '80s was garish? So you know the hair and the style and the sexuality. Were you comfortable with that, or does that also not feel quite in line with who you were as artists? No, I I felt fine with all that. My myself, okay, yeah, um, I felt absolutely, yeah, no problem. Good, okay. I loved it. Okay. I loved all that. I bet you did. So. Um, <laughs> So tell me, let's okay. So tell me again now, I, I why why the name change from modern jazz to blue zoo? I know bands do that, especially in their infancy. What's the thinking behind that? What's the psychology? Yeah, that was that was mainly because nothing nothing deep. It was just there was a bunch of bands around um, at that time called modern. There was modern romance. Oh sure, modern romance, modern English. That's yep, it. That's right. So yep. we we kind of thought, no, nah, that's Let's get another name, you know. Yeah. Get something okay. Else that sets us that out. makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So, and when did you get your first record deal? It was 1981 with 1981. Um, with Magnet, yeah. Okay. Now, at that moment, uh, what are you what are you doing for a living? And, and t- tell me the story of was there a moment when you went into your job to wherever you were and. I don't know if you worked at a Tesco's or something like that. No, I was, in, I was, I'm a rock star now. I don't need this anymore. <laughs> you well, know? I was working. I was working on a, um, in the building trade. Oh. Because all the guys, all my friends, all the all my sort of friends in that in the town, they were all bricklayers and um, hod carriers and so forth. So that's where wow. I was. You know, I I okay. was a, I I was a hod carrier, and um, <laughs> I'm. I know, I know. And when I when I was with the rave, you know, I used to I used to like be on stage and I used to take I used to take my top off so I'd be just so muscly from from the uh from running up sure. and down ladders all day with bricks. Of course. Um and I was I was fit as hell then, nineteen years old, you know. So <laughs> The world's your oyster on... at nineteen years old if you're attractive, right? <laughs> <laughs> Stratton the stuff, yeah. you know, and so exactly. Oh, it's great. So anyway, they the the guys that I worked with, they all knew what I was. They all knew I was in this band, the Rave. Okay. Um, and they so they kind of they they kind of I was always coming into work and saying, yeah, we we played last night. It was oh man, it was you know blah blah blah. And then uh-huh. we won this comp, we won this competition, which was um for like a battle of the bands. Uh huh. Um and and on the panel there was. There was a journalist from Sounds magazine. There was a, a manager, a couple of managers, uh, one, somebody from a band called the Flying Lizards. Um, sure. Okay. And and they 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 loved us. And there's this the girl from Sounds was like head over heels. You know, she's like whoa. So she she wrote this fantastic review. And the next thing you know, you know, I'm I'm getting all these offers, and the band are getting right. you know blah blah. So I said to the guys, look. Yeah, I can't remember how I did it, but I said, "Yeah, I'm, go- I'm leaving. I'm going. I'm moving to London." You know. Wow. So when I came yeah. to London, I just lived off. 
Um, we did. We didn't. We weren't really. We were living off the money we were making from gigs and. Okay. You know. Okay. So you um, were able to play enough with at this time. I'm assuming modern jazz. You guys yeah, were we, able to string enough gigs together sure. to pay your rent and. Uh, we we would. Like we, yeah, we would. We would. Sort of, the, the, I mean, the play. I managed to. I was staying. I was staying with a keyboard player, and I was sleeping in the same bed as a keyboard player. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He had a double bed. So, I mean, okay, you know, had, <laughs> but there was no no choice, you know. So you know, sure. I, I I stayed in that. I was in that situation for about six months, and then I moved somewhere um, with with cheap rent and stuff. So it was, yeah, okay, it wasn't so bad. But we we were talking. We we were talking recently about how often we used to play. We used to play like four or five times a week. Really? Yeah. And what would you? What were you getting paid for these gigs? Oh, I don't know, hundreds of pounds, you know, a few really? hundred quid here. Well, that's pl- well, for a 19-year-old kid who's trying to make it, that's probably plenty, right? Yeah, it was, yeah between us, between us. Oh, okay, well, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, so, but, if you know, if you're doing, like, yeah. four gigs, you know, we can... Yeah. There were plenty, that back then, there was, like, plenty of places that, that bands could play, and they were, and people... People used to come out in their droves and and, sure. and watch bands, but it's all changed now, you know. It's yeah. Oh, for sure. So, whatever yeah. happened to the guys in the rave? Anything? Well, funny enough, um, I've, one of them's living in Australia. He moved to Australia like a long, long time ago, and he's just resurrected everything. And he's up on Facebook, and he he's been putting up all oh, these wow. all this stuff. <laughs> You know, yeah. and 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 all these old fans are coming out of the woodwork, and oh man, okay. they were, you know, it was great. I was so, there, I saw that gig. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we were only together for for a year. Oh, I mean, wow. we, we, but we we um we did. It took longer than that to actually get uh get it to the point where we were where we were playing lots of gigs and so forth. But uh-huh. um, but the, really, as a as a really good little outfit we it was only about a year it's that's like, amazing that's amazing yeah but it made such an impact i mean in the in the yeah. little town down there it was it was you know that's great people still remember it really fondly you know that's amazing so that moment you sign to a you sign a record label and how do you sell sign to a record label get your being paid now to be a musician and put it working on a new album how do you celebrate or do you I don't think we did. Really? Yeah, I'm, so I'm, that I'm, didn't I'm, I'm, feel like a celebration. That wasn't like a inside. You know, a oh man, in, okay. inside I was celebrating. You know. Um, sure, sure. Inside, in my head, I was like, wow. You know, because yeah. it it all happened. You know, like people say, it happened so fast. You know, it, sure. It, yeah. It just went. It just went click, 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 click. Yeah. Everything just all clicked. Okay. Um and. Um, the next thing you know, you got single out, and it's being played on the radio. And the first first single being played on the radio, that's a fan- the most wonderful feeling, you know, amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah. That is that is great. I mean, it's like wow. That's I nice can imagine. Single. Do you remember <laughs> where you were? Yeah. Do you remember where you were the first time you heard yourself on the radio? Yeah, it's on. Uh, I was in the I was in the flat down in um, that where I was living. Just, okay. And, and everyone was, you know, everyone was, everyone had come out of their rooms and was listening to it on the radio, you know. <laughs> That's us. Yeah. And yeah. then you went back and got in bed with your buddy in the shared bed or whatever. Oh afterwards. no, no, no! I'd moved by then. Oh, okay, I'd, I'd got it. Got it. You were on your own now. I was um, yeah. 
So it was, I was what, actually I moved in with I moved in with a, um, a family. Oh uh, really? So, so that, but I got really friendly, and then ended up ended up in a relationship with, <laughs> with the daughter. What? The fa- so, yeah. So, uh, so um, I can imagine. It all got real, you know. But um, but they were all really excited. All those all the family and that were really excited sure. that uh, the single was on the radio, and that's so, great. So it was over the moon. Brilliant. That's great. So then, uh, so, so the, I mean, two by two, uh, I don't know how long it took you to work on that, but when it comes out, you've got, uh, it doesn't like blow up the world, but it, you've got some steady singles, Cry Boy Cry gets big. Some of the other ones are not as big, but they're heard. You're on top of the pops. Mm. What do you look, when you look back now, do you, what do you see as being the pinnacle of that chapter in your life? What was the highest moment? Oh, it has to be. It has to be um, cry by cry getting um, getting to number thirteen and and being on top really? of the pops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, top of the pops. You know, I watched it as a kid. You know, I sure. grew up. I grew up on top of the pops and seeing all these bands and that, and suddenly I was on it. Yeah. You know, with the band and it, I mean that is That's just amazing. something else. But it's weird. It's a weird thing because you are you can't be objective. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because you're in true. it. You're in yeah. it. And it's subjective and it's a day's work. You know, you're yep. you're you're there from nine in the morning until nine at night and, and it's a long, long day and it's a day's a hard day's work. Yeah. Um so that whole that whole sort of magical thing about being on top of the pops doesn't really hit you until you actually yeah. see you see it on the T V screen. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you're not registering while you're there, right? Yeah, you're just, you're just doing it. You're just doing it. Yeah, and, it and all these cameras and you know, and it's like, oh no, not we haven't got to do it again, have we? You know, it's like <laughs> you go, you come, you come in and you do it in your jeans, and then you do it in a play, and then you do it in dress rehearsal and all that. Right. You know. Um, now, but, are the other bands who are performing in the same episode there with you in a stage too, I, or are you kind of off on your own just? Uh, no, they're around. Okay, they're they're around. around. Um, Do you remember who but, else was on your episode of Top of the Yeah, Pop? yeah, a couple of the couple of uh, we did a couple. So the first one, I believe it was um, the Flock of Seagulls. Oh think, yeah, yeah. I think of they course. were. I think they were on the same show as us. Wow. Um, one of them, anyway. Sure. And then the other one was Boy George with um, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, well, this is, you got some, uh, I mean, legends. Yeah. Basically, that was number one. That was, there with you. they were number one. But the funny thing was, I always remember this because um, we, we, there was a canteen, you know, where everyone went and had a cup of tea. And, uh-huh. And I, I remember, I remember walking into this canteen or, area and boy george was in there with these with the band and that and he just gave me the fiercest look you know like you like like you stay out of my territory this is my really? territory. yeah yeah <laughs> he like, felt threatened by another uh young attractive guy who could possibly take over some of his territory yes yes wow yeah don't you oh, don't man. don't try try don't try moving in on yes. on my space because you know yeah, it's this is mine. my kingdom. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, interesting. <laughs> so 
So did you, were you ever playing, I mean, uh, I don't know how often you guys were playing live around this time, but were you, were the, okay, so what were some of the bigger shows, and were you headlining, or were you opening for other bands? We were mainly, well, we were mainly um, doing our own gigs, but, okay. funny enough, funny, there were, we, we did get offered, um, there were tours that cropped up, Flock of Seagulls was one of them, sure. I remember that, um, but we never did it. And also the Stranglers. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, the Stranglers. We were offered we were offered the Stranglers tour, but we turned it down. Huh. Um, we we didn't. That would have been an interesting double bill. Very, but we didn't. Yeah. We didn't. I love the Stranglers. I mean, they're one of my oh, favorite yeah. bands. Oh yeah, me too. I just wouldn't yeah. put you two together. No, that would be. You know what I mean? A really weird show. Yeah, I mean. yeah. So I don't. I don't know whether that was a was a good choice, but they obviously. Don't know. Someone thought it was be a good idea, huh. but but I think for me the best. I think the uh, the the gigs that I really uh, were were cool were some early ones that we did with you too. Oh wow! Oh man! Yeah. Okay. And this you know what just... that reminds me. I googled you. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, a few times, but I found a clip of like the top ten your top 10 songs or something yeah. that I think appeared in Smash Hits. That's right. Back in like yeah. 83 or something. And That's you correct. two, uh, Boy, I believe, was number one on your list. Yeah. So you must have been a big U2 fan. I was. I was. I was, yeah. Okay. I mean, I Still? didn't... No, I'm not... not okay. They're pretty now. larger than life, too. Now they're sort of divisive to some people, but... Yeah, um, there was something magical about that early time, that those early... Yeah early years um that i tuned into because i did i mean i knew i knew some of their early records because my girlfriend had them um like okay. electrico and stuff like that and yeah so um we ended up doing these two shows with them one was at the marquee and um and one was at the moonlight club which is was practically uh 100 yards from where i lived oh, and wow. um so we did these two shows with you two and and Wow, you know, it was, but we—it was like we were on a par with them. We were, we were, we were just as good as them. Uh huh. Um, uh -huh. Which was, which was, which was really interesting. And I'm, I remember being uh, backstage, and and um, we were still, you know, sort of um, calming down from our gig. And Bono had just uh -huh. been up, been up on stage for about ten minutes, and he he couldn't breathe. It was that hot in there. Really. And, and he came backstage, and he just came running in and stuck his head out the window to get some air. Wow. But after, when when we, um, we we actually, in the dressing room, when we were sort of passing each other, I said, what did you think of the show? And he said, he said, watch, watch out for the for the Bowie thing, he said. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> he warned you not to be too much like Bowie? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> watch out for the Bowie thing, he said. Yeah. Interesting. Never mind. He goes on to put, have Brian Eno produce his albums. Yeah, like. yeah, I know. Yeah, so yeah it, 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 I everything think, goes I think, back to Bowie at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, the Boy album was 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 great. It had such a great oh, yeah. atmosphere to it. Yeah. Um, and so I went. Then from then I went. I went and saw them play like loads of times, and during October as well when that came out. Sure. Sure. And I remember I remember sitting at one of their gigs, and I had the Enemy. Um, and we were single of the week in NME. 
with uh, oh, really? with oh, yeah, nice. with like, and that was a U two show. I opened up the NME, and it was like single of the week. Love moves in strange ways. <laughs> oh wow, nice, good one. Yes, yeah, that's cool. That's great. <laughs> so uh, okay, so two by two is it? Do you have some? Do you have a concept of how many copies of two by two sold? No idea. No uh, idea. But I tell you, were you ever? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you something with the. What we're at, I mean, we are playing, when the songs that we're playing at the moment, we are playing some songs from, um, from that album, but the, the majority of them have come from an album that wasn't released. Um, yeah, and, okay, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we recorded an album with a guy called Lawrence Diana, um, and which included Love Moves in Strange Ways, the original Love okay. Moves in Strange Ways single, um, but the, the record company wouldn't release it. They said it wasn't commercially enough. Commercial enough. Um, so, huh. so we had to. It was, uh, that's that's when Tim Freeze Green came in, and you know, and um, yeah. and Cry by Cry was molded out of one of the songs on that al- on that album, um, on that original album. Right. So. So basically, we've gone, we've gone back to that original album, and we're playing lots of the songs from, from it now. Okay. Is that um, what For All I Really Care yeah. is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I read about yeah. that, and I thought, I'm not seeing this album anywhere. No, no, so, no. For All I Really Care is, I think someone's just got a load of B-sides together, and... and um, oh. And okay. that, is, but that is one of the tracks... Uh, that we recorded oh, for that I see. initial album. So I don't know where that... Yeah, it makes you wonder where people get this stuff from. I, I, well, yeah, that's why I wanted to ask you about it. So yeah, well, as far as most... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. There's there's a ton... Of, there were not a ton, but there's a bunch of tracks that that people haven't heard. Um, I thought so. Yeah. Because I've, I've, uh, some of the... You know, obviously there's some r- more recent live clips yeah. on YouTube, yeah. and uh, I'm, re- I'm noticing that there are songs I don't recognize. Now, my only frame of reference is two by two, so yeah. I don't, and one of the things, it's interesting, but one of the downsides of interviewing of more obscure bands like you guys is that there's not always a lot of information out there. You really have to kind of search to find it. So I didn't know if there were albums that were produced and released that just never no. made it to the States or never... <laughs> So as far as most people know, two by two is all we have yeah. of Blue Zoo, right? Yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been, I have been trying to um, to get that first album out, you know, trying to get hold of the original recordings, or yeah, you know, and and, and to get it out there, or even to to re-record those tracks and and get it and get it out there. But um, we're, so we're two by two to... is not the first album. It was, yeah, it was. Eventually, it was the first Wait, album. Oh, so this other album you're talking about was pre two by two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Now yeah. I'm okay. Now I was wondering. Okay, now I get it. So you go oh, in, yeah. you guys produce an album, and the the label doesn't hear enough of a doesn't hear a single. They put you yeah. back in the studio with Tim Freeze Green, who yeah. I'm a huge Talk Talk fan. So yeah, me too, you might have me to tell too. me a little bit about Tim Freeze Green at some point, but yeah, so sure. they put you back in the studio with him, and that and you guys all create two by two, and that's what ends up getting released. That's correct. 
Yeah. So no, what? And you probably you were just. I mean, it sounds as if you have sort of almost a conflicted relationship with two by two because, like you said, it doesn't sound like what you wanted no, to sound right. like or thought of yourself. So you probably have more affection for that first album that never saw the light of day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, the the um, there are some songs on two by two. I just think that it be. Two by two became became a kind of a. Um, it carried some of the songs from that first album, and then, but it but it also carried new songs that came fr- came off of the back of Cry by Cry. Uh-huh. So I kind that. So there you've got kind of a a, a conflict there with with the, yeah. with the songs in 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 many ways, but they were kind of re-recorded and made to sound. Lo- more like each other, of course. Got it. But, sure. But you, yep. When you know what they kind of originally sounded like. Um, Interesting. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I remember having a, I remember having a dust up in in um, in the record company. You know, at that, at sure. that, cro- there was a cross. You know, there was a definite. You know, you know these moments when there's a crossroads, and it's like Tim yep. Freeze Green, Tim Freeze Green picks out um, this track and says, this. He's picked. He's listened to that album, the first album, and he's picked out some tracks that he thinks um, will be good candidates. And one uh-huh. of them was one of them was this song called "Turn and Face the Wall," sure. which was okay. which became "Cry Boy Cry." Cry Boy Cry. Yep. And uh, and John's Lost, which was okay. which was yep. um, which on there as well. So that we yep. we we re-recorded those with um, with. With t- with Tim and Battery Studios in Wilson Green, but but that point I I kind of had to I had to sort yeah. of um, bite my tongue. Right. You know, so so did thought, you what? prefer Turn and Face the Wall to what became Cry Boy? No, Cry? not no, because I, no, I didn't actually. To be honest, okay. I, I thought okay. I thought um, Cry Boy Cry was actually better. It was okay. in, it, it was a better song in the end. Um, okay. But um, like I said, the, the songs that came off the back of that. Yeah. Okay. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you? Uh, can you? Are you still a fan of Forgive and Forget? And um, no, no, not much. Okay. No. Okay. Do you like that? Uh, I like it okay. It's, I mean, I like it because it sounds like 80s music that yeah. I like. Yeah. But um, 
it's I'm I'm not going to hit repeat on forgive and forget as often as I am cry boy cry. No. You know? So, no. but it's okay. It's a catchy single. I the think... video is certainly very eighties. You know. Oh, that again, mad, isn't it? That video. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like glowing, isn't it? Glowing. It, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's all neon, right? Fluorescent. Yeah, and, yeah. it's classic Completely. though. That stuff is classic. <laughs> I'm glad you could laugh about it because that's just what. That's so fun. I think it's so fun that that stuff is out there. Does it ever yeah. kind of bother you that it's out there? And, no. You know, existing no. in the world. Okay, good. No, good. I, I love it. I love. I love okay, it. I mean, good. there's a couple of there's some. Um, videos from one of the shows that one of the shows that we did that um when we do it i'm wearing the same sort of clothes that i'm wearing in that video right and it, it's quite it's quite uh funny to watch but yeah but, yeah you know, your clothes time, back better crazy yeah you know <laughs> yeah right on so so how does it so then you know one album and you guys is what is what breaks up the band is it a divisiveness over the direction of where to go from here or i mean it's just so sad you're you've got this natural yeah. charisma and you clearly i can i mean i'm assuming the rest of the band members are as interested and desirous to be full-time professional musicians and yet you can't make it work enough to keep the band together what happened yeah i know i know well but back then, um, you're only as good as your last record, your last single. I don't know. I don't know whether that is true today. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. But but everyone was going well, you know, crying or crying, and and then look what's happened. You know, it's like yeah. The next one was seventy in the charts, and then one after that was like I don't know, fifty or sixty or whatever it was. Um, and nobody, nobody, nobody kind of was very optimistic about where where this was going. Okay. Um so I mean I I was fine. I mean but I was uh-huh. I must admit I was getting I was getting a bit pissed off with the record company and um a little bit pissed off with them. But um, now were you more pissed was more of your uh frustration with the with the band or with the record company? But more more with the record company. I thought I think okay. I think we needed a bigger, um, a much bigger push, you know, a bit more, yeah, a bit more yeah. of a machine. But um, and the, I mean the the band was, but I think the band would have been fine. I think you know what you do is you just you just got to be a bit a bit more mature about it and sit back and listen to what you've done and think, okay, sure. well that ain't working. So you know we've got a we've got a strong fan base out there. Let's just go back to square one and. And start again because we'd already carved the like you say we'd carved the niche. Sure. Yeah. And then we bloody filled it up with rubbish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But there is some name recognition out there. I mean, there was in 1983 or whatever. So you yeah. could have. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad that there. It, what What was the thinking there? Was it Was it never brought up? Like, well, let's just. Maybe well, switch labels I think, um, or come up with another sound. What do you think? No, I think I think well, I think when it got to that point, I think uh, Tim Tim Parry wanted. I don't think he wanted to continue um, in a band anymore. I think oh. he wanted he wanted to get into production um, yeah. and maybe management at some point, which he did do in the end. Um, so basically, that would have that would have been uh, left. Just mean and the yeah. um, and the guitar. I mean the bass player and the drummer. 
But then the record company wanted to keep me as a so they wanted to get push me out as a solo artist, which I could have easily have done, but I didn't want to be with them anymore. Oh, you didn't want to be with that label anymore? No. So okay, I kept I it. kept writing I kept writing these and this is true, I kept writing these really rubbish songs like I um I didn't I didn't do myself any favours but you know, really bad. Um yeah. and and they were going, Well look, without Tim he can't write nothing. You know. <laughs> he's he's right. you know, so they ended up they ended up letting me go but it took a took quite a while to to, to get away. Huh. Um, and you wanted to get let go. I, you were writing rubbish to... on purpose. Yeah. 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 Uh, just, just to have writing. your freedom and kind of start over somewhere else. And, yeah. 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 Pick up the scraps. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I remember the, the the last time the band were together, Blue Zoo. Um, we 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 had this song. We had that last single, "Somewhere in the World of the Cowboy Smiling." Uh huh. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and um, we we. They loved it in, I think, France, and um, we went out, we flew out to France to do a TV, and um, Tim wasn't on the flight. It was some other guy. <laughs> and I, and I, I didn't even, I didn't even know, I didn't even know that Tim wasn't going to be there. It was this new, oh, a, wow. new, a new guy, who now, I think, now plays guitar with Take That, and, you know. Um, oh, really? Yeah, he's quite oh, a big. interesting. He's quite a big guitarist now, but I had very little to do with him. That was the last. That yeah. was the last sort of blue zoo moment when we went over to France to do the cowboy TV. Huh. Um, Jeez. Yeah, and then and then I got various offers uh, which I didn't take because I I was I was on um I was on an artist you know an artistic um, journey. And uh-huh. I did not. I did not want to. Well, what what was being offered was like, will you come and join our band, and you know, oh. and will you will you well, do our songs and things any like that. Any offers that we would know. Yeah. Um, do you know a woman called Holly Knight? Yeah, I do recognize that name. She wrote. Um, she wrote. Uh, Love is a battlefield. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The yeah, Pat Benatar. Pa- song. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Well. Okay. Well, the uh, the manager of Blondie, um, or the producer of Blondie, sorry, the, the producer of Blondie, whose whose name escapes me, okay. um, he was working with her, and he, he, she wanted to get a band together, and so he said, "Look, if you want to get a band together, you need you need a good frontman. This this is your man." Yeah. Right. So, so she contacted me through my management. I think because I was still with Jazz then, but I think he'd, he'd handed me over to, because um, <laughs> I was being a real pain, sure. um, someone of his, one of his right-hand men or whatever. So they were dealing with me at that point. And um, so this stuff came in from America, and they said, yeah, she, she's really keen. You know, she's going to come and meet you. So she flew over, um, and she came round to my flat and she said, right, um, these are the songs. And so I, she was playing them and I was looking at them. But I was not in that frame of mind. I wasn't in that oh. space. Yeah. I was in the space, no, 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 I'm not singing other people's songs, I'm singing my songs. Right, right. Um, right. You know, it's like, it's like saying to David Bowie, you know, um, but Bowie gets a call from, I don't know, Lou Reed, and Lou Reed wants him to sing all of his songs. He wouldn't do it, yeah. you know. yeah. Right, so, right. You know, so, um, 
huh. you know so so unfortunately she went home empty-handed but it didn't you know it didn't last yeah but, but the offer was there and they they were going to put me up they were going to give me a flat in la and you know and so wow. forth I know, okay. I know. <laughs> Do you have regrets yeah. about that time? No. I mean, just the whole chapter, the whole Blue Zoo chapter of your life. Do you have regrets? No. 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 Okay. No. I mean, I mean, if I'd have t- if I'd have stepped out with Holly Knight and done that whole thing, who knows what what where it might have gone from right. there? But you know, but I was a bit more, bit too much of a, I don't know, bit more, bit too artistic to do that yeah. I think okay. at that point so um, at what point did you kind of decide you know it, it sounds like for a few years if I remember right up until like maybe even the early 90s you were still kind of out there uh, as a musician yeah trying yeah. to make things happen um, were these was anything happening that was happening well enough to sustain you were you still able to make a living as a musician no it's really no. really difficult um so after Blue Zoo, um, um, I formed this this little outfit called Sky Western Crooked, um, which was um, basically it was a it was a writing exercise for me. It was it was you know we were getting I was forming something else at that point um, with this with these guys and I was getting into different bands REM and so forth. Sure. Um, and then that I actually secured a, a publishing deal with uh, Warner Brothers, uh-huh. um, with that with, with them, um, and then that that sort of came to an end after a few years, um, and then I formed what I think was my best band. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, called the Mother Hive. Which, which formed, they formed, that formed in around 88, 89. Okay. Um, and I I think I wrote some of my best songs um, with the Mother Hive, but um, no one picked it, it up. Yeah, no so there's no, there's no Mother Hive's album anyone can buy? That... Well, there is. There, there's, there, we, did a, we did an EP um, called Richard, um, oh. and... I think it's people do have it on. I've seen it on eBay, but someone's selling it for some stupid amount of money. So, yeah, that's usually the case, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but it's a pretty good EP. But but okay. I wrote, it's a vinyl. It's vinyl. Um, okay. And I've still got I've still got a bunch of copies here actually. Oh, Mother Hive. Yeah, Mother Hive. One one word. One word, Mother Hive. Yeah. Okay. Mother Man, Hive. I have to try and track this down. Have a look. Yeah, it's got uh, it's a uh, it's mother hive in uh, white re- lettering with a with a picture of a um, ultrasound picture of a baby. Oh wow! On, okay. On the front cover, whose name whose name was Richard? So we called it Richard. Oh, got it, got it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So there's six songs on there from from Mother Hive, but we did a lot of shows. Um, um, around that time, I was quite pally with. Um, 
Jeanette Napolitano. Do you know her? Uh huh. With Concrete Blonde. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. So I knew I knew her. I knew Jeanette, and we did a gig. We did a gig with her in in London um, at the Garage down in Islington. And the bass player was um, was the the bass player that ended up with Bowie. Um, what's her name? Um, oh, yeah, the black lady. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she was playing. She was playing with uh, Jeanette. Um, oh, at interesting. That, at that time, and uh, and she absolutely she she came backstage after our gig and she went she oh love, you're brilliant you loved it. I love really it. <laughs> oh wow yeah yeah. So, you know, wow. we were good. Mother Hive yeah. was good. Mother Hive were good. But um but it didn't didn't I it was timing, you know, and it Yeah. When you when I was talking about everything clicking with Blue Zoo from the rave to Blue Zoo uh-huh. this this was an this was a, this was an example of nothing clicking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now it sounds like I mean if you're bringing up Concrete Blonde and REM, they have a very Specific, I think, American sound, American yeah. college alternative sound. Yeah. It's very different from Blue Zoo. Is this what? Sure. Is this yeah. the kind of the vibe you were into at the time? Yeah, I love uh, it. Well, during Blue Zoo, it sounded well, more like that. During Blue Zoo itself, um, obviously, I was still listening to a lot of Bowie. Right. Um, and but I was into bands like U2, um, yeah. and I, I was into Echo and the Bunnymen. Love them. Yeah. Um and Simple Minds. Ah, oh, I love Simple Minds. Yeah, Simple Minds. Very underrated. I never yeah. liked. I never liked. Um, oh, these bands like um, Kajagoogoo. Okay. Which I never is liked. interesting because when I want, when I look at your old videos. Yeah, I know. I think of Kajagoogoo. I know, I know, and I hate that comparison. <laughs> oh man, that's too bad. I, know, I love I know. Kajagoogoo, but I love you guys too. So yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm, yeah, I'm not. Anyway. Wasn't that side of that side of the '80s? I wasn't a huge fan of that yeah, kind of. Got it. Okay. Um, I liked because I think you'll find, um, I think you'll find a thread running right the way through from Bowie, because it all start all starts with him and all the all the bands that I like. Yeah. All the bands that that I liked during the '80s are all linked with him. So if yep, you think about think you way. two, you two. Even though they don't sound like him, you can you can you Absolutely. can easily spirits there for sure. Easily tie up. Echo and the Bunnymen, yep. same. Yep, yep, yep. Um, mind, same. Did you same. ever get to meet Bowie? No, unfortunately. Oh man, Bummer. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. But I know it is. I saw him though. I mean, I saw yeah. him early on. I saw him in um, the first time I saw him was 1976. Oh. Um, Wow, Tim White Duke. This is the Tim Berlin period. Yeah. Tim White Duke. Oh man. Yeah. Station to station. But I missed the Ziggy. I just missed the Ziggy by uh, probably a year. Oh you know? man. That's tough. Yeah. I, I uh Bowie's probably my number one as well, so I I'm completely with you on that. Do you have a favorite Bowie song? Oh man. Um they there there's so many in there. Um I go in and out of things like I'm I'm just putting a CD together for um this show that we're doing uh-huh. and I wanted to I want to ha- I want to before we come on between between um the plexiphones who were on before us and then between them and us I wanted to have like some music that 
that kind of told a little story like I'm telling you. I wanted to start yeah. with Bowie on the yeah. CD and then work through the periods right up to now. You know, but yeah. I, I don't know if I've got enough time, you know, on the, to, to do that. But so I picked I picked Driving Saturday. Really as, good one. Yeah. As yeah. a as a starting song. I know there's tons. I mean Yeah. Um, I mean you but, could get lost for days and that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Good mm. pick. Good one. Yeah. So okay, so then we're uh so we're up to now early nineties and music's not happening for you anymore and you're basically a front man without a band and um you get into mushrooms? Yeah. Is this right? So yeah. tell me Tell me, first of all, explain the mushroom business that you start. and yeah. But mo- almost more than that, how does it feel? Do you remember the moment when yeah, it's it horrible. finally horrible. hit you, I have to go back to being a regular guy? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've spoken about it a couple of times to people because – you you feel it, but you don't really you don't really express it. You know, you're not really expressing it. Um, and it yeah. took it was it was a it was a a lot of years went by before I actually said anything to anyone. You know, because yeah, because yeah, coming from my coming from where I did, you know, it's like a working class guy, you know, and I broke away from the 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 kind of life that I didn't want to lead, and you know, yeah. and, and became something that. I never in my in my wildest dreams. I just thought, wow. And then, yeah, the the the, the rug is pulled, and and suddenly sure. you're on your face, and and finding it difficult. You have to you have to eat humble pie. You know, you have to yeah. swallow. Yeah. It's it, it's yeah, and and you have to go back to work. I mean, I was yeah. I was yeah. I was I was um, the things I did. I mean, it's like working in a greengrocer store and. Selling newspapers outside of tube station. Oh, uh, and that's you're doing that after the music yeah. has. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah, think? Oh my easy. god! What am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Are you married or having? Do you have kids or a family? No, or no. Like um, I'm married okay. now. I got married. I got married uh, four years ago. No, oh, three okay. three years ago. Sorry. Okay. Uh, um, okay. But at the time, you're still on your own. Okay. I was still on my own, but I was with someone. I was with someone. Okay. I've been. I was with them for quite some time, but we never got married, and okay. we didn't have any. We didn't have any kids or anything. But um, so the, the the there came a point where I thought, right, I think mm, uh, maybe maybe I should give this a rest. Yeah. And I didn't. I didn't really know. I I kind of thought, well, what else am I good at? Yeah. You know, what else? What else can I do? Because you hear the, you hear loads of people say. In 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 the world of the arts, there's nothing else I could do. This is me. This sure. is what I do. But yep. there was another side to me, which which I had when I was down in that town. When I was growing up, I was really into nature. I was really into birds when I was a kid. Interesting. You know, I used to paint birds and draw birds. Um, and my dad and his dad, they used to and they used to go out and they used to. They used to collect birds' eggs, yeah, and oh. and they, ma- they used to make collections of birds' eggs and swap them and so forth. And so I did that as a, I did it as well as a kid. So what that but what that taught me was a real. It gave me a, a really a, a really fine sense of 
of where to find um, these birds and where their eggs, you know, to get the okay. eggs. Uh-huh. Obviously, obviously, this you can't do that now. I mean, it's a, it's a, you get you get thrown in jail for it. Sure. But back back then, it was it, you could do it. You know, it wasn't such a big deal. Right. Um. But now, but anyway, that really that really kind of imprinted something on inside me. But I, when music came along, I I just flew, you know, right. um, with the music. But when I when I kind of finally landed, I thought, well, now, now where do I? Now what do I turn to? And I, mushrooms just happened to be there, growing on the grass in the back in in the back garden of where I was living, wow. and I, I I wondered whether I could eat them or not. You know, it's the first thing. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought, well, I'll give them a go. So I, tw- I tried them, and then I, I sort of got more adventurous, and I went out more and more, and this this obsession grew with with mushrooms. Um, and I thought, well, you know, I'm up, I, I bought a few books, and I thought, well, this is, and that's just, this is when that uh, those early early sort of lessons that I learned with the birds was was sort of paying dividends because I was learning I was learning about mushrooms quite quickly. Right. Um, I had that kind of ability to do that, so. Then I started this thing called Fungi to Be With, which was a pun on the whole thing, and it yeah, was a way of, sure. a way of fungi to be with. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> and, clever. I like that. Yeah, and it was a way. It was a way. What my thinking was was a way of. It, it was a. It was a vehicle by which I could get people retuned into the natural environment, uh-huh. um, especially in the city in London. Yeah. Um, so I used the fungi to be with mushrooms as a vehicle to kind of get people out and about and enjoying the, the, and it kind of just grew and grew and grew, and now I'm now I'm regarded as one of the, one of the experts, you know, in the country. That's amazing. <laughs> and I'm writing a book at the moment. I'm, I'm writing a book on the <laughs> on, <laughs> on mushrooms. On 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 the mushrooms of, of Greater London. Oh wow. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> now, are so you a vegan, is, or uh, are you into like raw foods? I mean, are you in? Are, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a bit. Yeah, that? a bit of that. A, bit, a little bit okay. of that. Um, um, okay. But yeah, people come out. People come out. They they basically want to find the, the edible mushrooms. Um, sure, sure. And I'm in. I'm interested in them as well. But I'm also interested in all the non-edibles as well. You know, and all wow. the all the other. Uh, yeah. the, it's a never-ending um, subject because uh, it's just so many, and, and you're just never going to know know them all in your lifetime. But it just it grows and grows and grows, and yeah, it's been a real a real journey with it. And then, you know, in 2009, um, there seemed to be a, a sort of uh, coming together of minds, um, and almost almost. Um, Almost sort of outside of ourselves, you know. Me and Mickey, the drummer, uh-huh. he uh-huh. he said, "Don't you think it's time we got back together?" <laughs> wow. And and I said, "Well, it's funny you should say that." Um, I was thinking exactly the same thing, you yeah. know. And and so we all met up down in Soho for a drink. Uh, and Tim Parry, Tim Parry was actually at those early meetings and. Wow. I thought he might come on board, but he, he wasn't interested. Yeah, so. wasn't into it. Nah. Um, and it was, then we got into rehearsals and, 
and and we we kicked up again. That's amazing. <laughs> so now, I mean, what's the? So let me let me tell me. I'm going to paint a picture. You tell me if I'm right. So mm-hmm. you're becoming this expert of mushrooms, and this becomes your livelihood. I'm yep. assuming if you're kind of it's a. I mean, it's a small niche, but if you're the expert, you probably make a decent living as a as an expert. Yeah, or I mean, there's, there's quite. Sure, there's quite a few different things that I do. I do walks, I do workshops, okay. uh, and I and I do surveys, and I do I do these um, breakfast, you know, sort of extravaganzas, you know, fungi extravaganzas. Okay. So Interesting. Few, yeah, quite a lot, a few different things. Yeah. Okay. They, they all together, those make up your livelihood. Yeah. And then uh, in 2009, you start the band starts talking about getting back together. And how often now do you guys play gigs? Well, not enough. <laughs> not enough, really. <laughs> no, because we played we played last uh, last spring, um, and then we didn't see each other until about a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, a long time. But in the meantime, ah. in the meantime, um, there was some remixes done of uh, "Somewhere in the World" as a cowboy smiling. Uh huh. Yeah. Because we went to Germany last year um, and played, played in, played over there, and we played in this club that uh, apparently, in, well, we played in Munchen Gladbach, and apparently, this particular single was massive there, which I didn't know really? anything about. I knew nothing about any of these things. I knew nothing about the fact that we were huge in the Philippines. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. Yeah, are, I knew not, are I knew you not nothing. getting paid for any of this? I mean, are you yeah. not getting any kind of royalty? Or are you just not really watching the specifics of where the money's coming? Well, we did get with, um, yeah, the, 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 the remixes, um, they're all on iTunes. So, um, oh, yeah, they're so, the only things like on Spotify. 2 by yeah. 2 is not on Spotify. No, no, no. Yeah. I think you need to, I think it needs to come via a company, doesn't it? Well, now um, it was re-released by Cherry Red. I know, but they've done. They've done. I asked them about this. I said, "Well, is it going to go onto iTunes?" And they said it, that, it, that they can't do that without. That it has to come from the record company, which is Warner Brothers. Oh. They can't. That's apparently, a shame. they. I know. I know. I yeah. Think it's, it's because. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, Cherry Red, they don't pay royalties when they do these um, CDs. Oh, they don't. No. Oh, they I don't. assume they did. I mean, they do a. I mean, bless them. They do a really great service for these bands and getting them back out yeah, there and getting interesting packaging. And I was I mean, very, I, I'm I was, really grateful for that. But you don't sure. see a penny from that. No. No. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did. I mean, obviously, we talked about it, and they said, "Well, no, that's not the deal." You know, it's. Uh, we've done. We've done this deal with Warner Brothers, and and. And the, and the, 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 all the sales money goes straight to Cherry Red. None of it, none of it goes to to the band. Well, then, what's the benefit to you? Is it just, well, just the fact that it's, just the fact that it's that? out there? Yeah. Okay. Just, you know, um, but I was involved in in the I was involved in the um, artwork and the cover and everything. I okay. Put, uh, I got all the all the I, I actually did all the writing in there and all the pictures. Oh, interesting. Okay, good. Cool. All the forward and all that sort Great. of stuff. But, um, okay. Yeah. So, so um, 
Yeah, it's a shame. I asked them about whether, because I asked them about iTunes with 2x2, two two, and they said that Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers were, were planning to do that, but they ain't done nothing. They haven't done nothing. Yeah. I uh, I had I mean I could upgrade now, but this was this was when I first discovered you years ago. Cherry Red had not re-released two by two, so I no. had to download it, um, you know, illegally. But I was curious lot. about what. Yeah. I mean, I hate to hate to admit that, but in some ways, I mean that's unfortunate for the artist. But in that's if there, it's a great way. I've discovered so many bands that way, you know, yeah. because there's. Yeah so many bands out there that are obscure that it's I, more than anything I would love to put money back in your pocket but some <laughs> the channels make that difficult sometimes yes I know you know what I mean I yeah absolutely absolutely I mean the, the the singles the remixed cowboy singles I mean that that that's being um, monitored yes. I mean that's been um, yeah. okay, people good. paid have to pay to to, um, to get that but but with with the bloody album, what what was your what was your thoughts on um, on uh, Love Moves in Strange Ways out of interest? Um, I it's not one of my favorite songs. I don't I like it. Um, yeah. I was looking. I was listening to the uh, there's a really slowed down version on YouTube, uh, a live version I believe. Yeah, acoustic, and I was reading yeah. the comments on there, and a lot of some people were preferring this slower down live version and some people prefer the uh the album version yeah um, i think it's it's a nice uh it's a it's a beautiful 80s ballad that i would imagine really means a lot to the people who heard it back then and it mm. still resonates to them you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. but you yeah. seem to really come to life when you perform it live in the in the snippets i've seen on youtube is that a particular favorite of yours Sons fall his footsteps and looks at the time, a moment of decision. Can this go on? He only thinks of himself, the will to I mean, it's, it's, I do like it, but I think I pref- there are other songs that I think I prefer okay. more. Okay. Um, but uh, that that version we did, um, I like a lot. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. that's one of, one of the best performances that we've done of it, to be honest. Yeah, it reminds me of like one of those kind of haunting ballads, like The Chauffeur by Duran Duran, or you know, right. one of the, Somebody by Depeche Mode. One of those kind of haunting, uh, sexy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's. I think that's the song that we should have we should have uh, gone back to after Cry by Cry. 
I had a feeling you were, I wondered about that. Because, and that seems to be the one that gets, like, maybe, I, I don't know, but again, I'm just going by what I can find on YouTube. That seems to be more of like a crowd favorite or a fan favorite. Yeah. Um, it was it ever released as a formal single? That yeah. Yeah. It was. Okay. Yeah, it came out, it came out, got single of the week in NME. Oh, that's um, right. Okay. Yeah, and then, but it didn't do anything. It, and then, so we, we re-released it again. Um, we put it out again um, in a shorter version because the original was like four minutes or so. So we okay. we cut it down to three and a half or whatever. Um, but it still didn't do anything, so we kind of gave up. Oh, that's too bad. Um, but after Cry Boy Cry, having you know having sort of got to that play and got everyone's got everyone looking yeah. and listening, we should have then we should have then done that again. Yeah. Put that out. Because that, yeah. that, I think it would have, I think it would have gone then. I think you're probably right. Um, the ladies love the ballads too, you know. Yeah. And um, I think you probably could have capitalized on that. So I'm curious about something else. I mean, it sounds like um, they're just Blue Zoo. Are you playing like what once a year, maybe a couple times a year? Yeah, at the moment. At the moment, we're, you know, it's. it's um, we're, we're, I'd like to play more. It's just, it's just creating the the avenues. Yeah. Do you not get invitations? That's the problem. That's like the problem. With being 80s. an obscure band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I. Um, but see, yeah, that is the problem, and, and I've come to terms with the fact that I'll probably never see you in the states, especially not Denver, Colorado, where I live. But I have oh. wondered: Do you not get invitations to play like those '80s festivals? No. No, because what? because I would think no, you because, would be perfect for those. Well, I do as well, but but the, the the guys that run it they see us as exactly what you said, obscure, and they oh, want they no, want no, bands no. they want they want bands like like um, Howard Jones and yeah. and uh, Nick Kershaw and sure. you know and all these kind of bands that that have, that have had a number of hits. You know, uh, number ones and twos and so forth. Right. Um, there well, is a show. There is a show going on in um, Hyde Park um, it's, um, this summer. I think it's called Let's Rock London or whatever. Uh-huh. Which I think I think we should have been on that because there's 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 acts on there like Brother Beyond. Um, oh. You know that. Are, that wow. Are, yeah, it's here. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. so. So, but, but then what that comes down to then is that you need someone who's got their fingers on finger on the pulse. Yeah. And, yeah. and we don't really we don't really have anyone representing the band like that, you know. So oh, we're kind of we're kind of we're kind of on our own with it to to, to yeah. a large degree, and we do yeah. get we do get a little help here and there, um, but we haven't got oh, a manager to steer in there. Yeah, every year those uh, that big. I'm blanking on the exact name of it, but that big '80s festival every year. I think it's in August. Yes, um, rewind, gets, rewind. Yes, rewind. That's it. Yep, yeah. rewind. That gets shown on television here in the states, and of course, I watch it with bated breath every year. And I remember yeah. a couple of years ago they played Modern Romance, who I had never heard of before, yeah. and I now I love Modern Romance. But I mean, yeah. if Modern Romance and uh, who else was on there? This uh, kind of a soul band called Odyssey, and there's the you know 
bands that yeah. are great but that are just as obscure, if not more, I would think, than you guys. I, I, mean, I agree, completely agree with you. Why yeah. can't Blue Zoo play, you know, in the afternoon on a Saturday to exactly. a couple thousand people and get everyone dancing to Cry Boy Cry and everything exactly. else? <laughs> exactly. I know, I don't know. I th- we've actually approached these people, people, the people that run these things, we've approached them a couple of times. Um, you know, wow. as, ourselves, you know, and I, and we actually did get um, an agent involved last year, and he he seemed to think, oh yeah, yeah, you know, you know, you cry for cry, I think you, yeah, you know, wow. I think he ran into trouble as well. Oh no, ah, uh, this is a missed opportunity, Andy. It's so obvious to me. Just let Blue Zoo kick the whole thing off. I know. I could see it. Oh my gosh. That's I know. Crazy. I know. But maybe it will come. Maybe it will come. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. You know, before we all before we all drop that. Well, and that's what I was going to say too. I mean, you still look great. You're still fit. Everybody's fit. It's like, get yeah. them out there. I know. You know. I know. Ah, uh, if Blamage could go out there and play their couple of hits, then Blue Zoo should be able to do it too. Completely, I can. I, I completely agree. And again, it's. You know, you just don't know what the you don't know why that is. I mean, yeah. I think when we play the gigs, when we play the gigs, they're so good. You know, the shows are so yeah. good, and you come off yeah. buzzing and thinking, you know, the best thing since sliced bread, and you think, sure. God, you know what? We should be up there. People will love this. I know. Uh, well, that's the whole That's the whole reason. What, that's the main reason need, why I want to do this podcast, is to try and, you know, there's two things. I'll tell you, real so selfishly, and I've said this in some of my other interviews, too, I... I love bands like you, and I want to tell, spread the word, right. but I also want to validate your creative output. I, I mean, you. Blue Zoo, I, I was looking at your page. I think as of yesterday, you guys had like 400 and something likes or whatever. Yeah. Let's, say there's, let's say there's 500 people on this earth that care deeply about Blue Zoo. Well, I'm one of those people, and I want to validate and let you know that I appreciate what you did. And, yeah, it was 30-something years ago, but yeah. it matters to me, and I'm still touched by it and moved Thank by you. it. And so Thank I you. am grateful for you and what you do. And I hope so much that you get another chance to at least be heard. Get yeah. people turned on. It's good stuff. You know? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope we do. <laughs> you, know, we, you know, we do, we do these shows, and the thing is – What's nice about not playing very often is you can you you can really charge up again, you know. So when you yeah. when you go out and play, it's like the first time again, you know. It's got that sure. that real electric edge to it. Sure. You know? And I love that. Yeah. It's like the the first time when we went and played again after thirty years, and when we, with the first gig we did in two thousand and nine, ten or whatever it was. I mean, that was just like what. <laughs> yeah. What was, was that like? like? The, it was fantastic. It was just walk, really? it was walking out. Yeah, it was great, you know. Because yeah. we went right, the songs, we went right back to the beginning. We did I Shoot Sheep, on my, you know, and In yeah. My Sleep. We did Ivory Towers, and, and it was just, and the crowd, it was packed. It was packed, you know. People oh, wanted that's to, great. People wanted to be there. Do you know there. how many people were there? I must have been about 300, 400 okay. or so. Okay, good, good. Um. Yeah, it was a lovely atmosphere, and it was a mix of people from, you know, from all over. Um, uh-huh. And so you just hope to 
to keep doing that, you know, and then hopefully, yeah, yeah. you know, some someone will, because we've had people come along, because the guitarist in the band now, Tom Morrison, um, uh, is, he does, he's in, he's actually working in the business. He's a, he's a, okay. he produces, he produces, he writes music for, you know, various things, but, um, so he's dealing with people in the business all the time, and he, he's done sound for, um, oh, what's her name, um, It's a Heartache, what's her name? Um, Bonnie, Bonnie Tyler, Bonnie oh, Tyler. Sure. Yeah, Bonnie Tyler. And he invited her manager um, to come and see us, and he, he said, "Oh, do I have to?" You know. And, so, and Tom said, "Yeah, come down. You know, you'll like it." He was completely blown away, and he, really? he was like, "Yeah, he, this." And he was like, "What? When's the next one? When's the next one? When's the next gig?" Yeah. You know, and then, so he. He got onto this agent and said, "You look, you've got to, you've got to do something with um, Blue Zoo." Yeah. You know, he said. Yeah. But he, we went and saw the agent, and he said, "Yeah, cry, cry, yeah, blah, blah, blah." He said, "I think you can get something out of this, you know, do the blah, blah." And he said, "Look, give me, give me some stuff, um, and I'll throw it, I'll throw it out there. If I get anything back, we'll go from there." But he never got, he got very little back. Yeah. Oh man. And he's not, he's not prepared to work it. Yeah, because exactly. you know you you yeah. can throw stuff, but it might yeah. not stick to start with. But if you right. if you push it a bit, yeah, you know, um, then people yeah. might set up and say, okay, we'll 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 try. And you know what it's like? It, it's favors, isn't it? It's doing favors sure. all the time. Sure. You know, people yeah. need to want to do favors for you. Yeah. Well, I'm just I'm in shock. I mean, I I think with the resurgence that 80s music gets, not to pigeonhole you. I mean, I know some artists are very reluctant to be pigeonholed in that 80s uh, box, but I always mm-hmm. say that because it it would provide you an outlet to be sort of relaunched. You know, you yeah. could align you would align yourself with this very passionate 80s fan base that is now yeah. being marketed to with rewind festivals and particular radio stations and stuff like that but yeah. then kind of use that as a launching pad to say this is what we're really about this is what we're doing and yeah i just think it's a missed opportunity so. sure i mean maybe, maybe what will happen is people will get so sick of this of seeing the same bloody bands year after year that they'll, right. Right. they'll eventually come calling you know and myself yeah. we need you on the bill <laughs> yeah that's true that's true they'll get to you at some point right <laughs> yeah, exactly they have to i hope oh, so God. i hope so yeah. Well, hey, uh, that's yeah. right. Well, this was great talking to you. I so appreciate all of no the problem. time that you've given me. And um, I really love Blue Zoo. I've been fascinated by you and your story for a long time. And I'm so grateful that you gave me the time uh, no, to tell pro- me No about problem, it. John. It was good, talk- good talking. Yeah, and I wish you the best of luck with everything else. And um, maybe we'll connect up again down the line. Sure. Okay. All right. Take care. Good, good luck with it. Good luck with the podcast. Thanks, right? man. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Cheers. Bye. There you have it, Andy O. Can you believe that? Mushrooms. You go from being a rock star to a mushroom expert. That's just, that's crazy to me. Andy was a really great guy. I wish him the best. Um, in the weeks ahead, we're going to be talking to Marge Raymond, who if you listen to the introduction to this podcast, you know that she was really one of the inspirations for starting this whole thing. Really interesting lady, full of tons and tons of stories. Wait till you hear some of the people that she knows and have rubbed shoulders with. And then in the weeks ahead, we're going to do a series of 80s one-hit wonders. I'm not going to tell you who they are. I kind of want it to be a surprise. But if you were paying any attention at all to 80s music in, um, when you were growing up, 
These songs will be very familiar to you, and uh, it's fascinating to hear some of the stories behind them. Huge thanks to Aaron Syrett for producing this and every other podcast. We couldn't do it without him. And if you want to contact me, send me an idea for the show. It's thehustlepod at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Wow.